0: Saturday Squeeze is your shortcut to being informed weekend style. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. In Saturday Squiz this week, what's been happening on the moon as well as the plane crash that's said to have taken down Russian military leader Yevgeny Prigozhin. And Kate, we promised that we'd talk
1: about the intergenerational report and we're people who are good for our word, so <laughs> we're back on that. Uh, we're also going to talk about NAPLAN and the big profit that was reported this week by Qantas.
0: It's one of those weeks, Claire, where we looked at each other and we said, gee, there's been a bit of news around. <laughs> so that's kind of sums up how this podcast will go. We'll get across a lot in a short amount of time. Let's do it. First of all, Claire, the most clicked link out of the Squiz Today newsletter, exposes us all for what we truly are, which is lovers <laughs> of gossip. It's a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. It was a link to a rumour that Nathan Cleary and Mary Fowler are dating. If you clicked it, I clicked it too.
1: Yeah, we see you. Like, we we know what it's about. We're here for it. It's fine. We put it there so you could click on it. So it's fine. And look, Nathan Cleary, he is a rugby league star. Uh, Mary Fowler, she's an international football whiz. We
0: all know Mary Fowler now, surely.
1: They aren't dating. So they let's... aren't
0: dating. It's not happening. They just got ice cream. Can we leave it there?
1: <laughs> we can. And look, we can move on. Uh, the second most clicked link and a remarkable story, it was that cable
0: car rescue in Pakistan. I was pretty captivated by this one. Seven kids and their teacher were in that cable car, 275 metres above a ravine, and it was dangling at a very, I guess, very precarious Mm. angle is what it looked like to Mm. me for more than 14 hours, Claire. This wasn't a fun cable car ride, kind of like... What you take up Taronga Zoo, although that closed. Did you know that? Oh, did Yeah, they? the cable car at Taronga oh, Zoo. You go. go on. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> side note, if no one knew, yeah, it right. doesn't exist anymore.
1: Claire, they were going to school. They were going to school. This is how they actually travel mm. and cable cars are in mountainous areas all over the world as a form of transport which makes sense I guess it's quite common and yeah I guess it makes you wonder exactly how safe these things are. Uh, Reports say that in Pakistan there haven't been problems in the past and that actually locals look at them as a very safe way to travel. And just do it day in day out. Hmm. There
0: have been tragedies in other countries and I know you say it's safe But gee, Claire, looking at it, it really doesn't look safe. They were eventually rescued zipline style. The footage is quite something. We'll put a link to it in your episode notes if you missed that one. Speaking of dangerous travel, Claire, the efforts of Russia and India to reach the moon has been a big story this week. We should say at the outset I was very keen to make sure we pointed out (laughs) that these are uncrewed missions. Yeah,
1: no people were hurt in the making of these moon landing attempts. So (laughs) just keep that in mind as we go through all of this. And look, after almost 50 years of not a lot of interest in the moon, um, it's quite telling how competitive tensions, I think, can just get both of those nations, Russia and India, mm. uh, both racing to that southern side of the moon.
0: So the dark side of the moon. The dark
1: side of the moon, yeah. Both
0: of us think that that's a lyric of a song and we can't <laughs> land... What song it's in, if anyone knows. We know it's an album. We know it's an album. We know it's a Pink Floyd album, but we, we think there's a lyric. There's somewhere. There's we somewhere. We haven't nailed it yet. Anyway, The Dark Side of the Moon is a whole thing mm. and the fact that India landed there, it's first time.
1: Yeah, Russia couldn't
0: stick that landing Mm. and that
1: really was quite a big story at the start of the week. Uh, India did land and, gee, they were happy about it.
0: Yeah, they'd attempted it before back in 2019. Tell me about that because uh, that was quite a moving uh,
1: moving failure. They really, really wanted to land in 2019. It was a really big deal and their Prime Minister, Narendra Modi, was at the central control to see it all go down. It crashed. The guy who was leading the mission bawling his eyes... (laughs) his eyes out. Narendra Modi comes over and gives him a really big hug. It was quite a moment. This is the
0: leader of the biggest country in the world. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Uh, This time though, they've stuck it. Modi wasn't there. He was at the BRICS conference in South Africa, but he did dial in. Uh, He didn't get his moment to hug anyone. Um, It makes India the fourth nation in the world to have landed
0: on the lunar surface. And the first one, as we said, to land the southern point. It's a massive point of national pride. Modi's been leading the charges. To say he sees the private space industry, Claire, as a, a big opportunity mm. for India. There's an economic part to it, but there's also a general election next year. There sure is, and Modi is a nationalist,
1: will no doubt spend a bit of time in the coming months talking about that. Mm. Um, these points of pride, as you said, are very important to his campaign, and Kate, I was
0: reading the foreign policy website, as you do this week. <laughs> That's actually a publication. It's not like the foreign policy is it? it's, yeah, it's capitalised, yes. It makes
1: you feel very smart just linking into it. True. Um, it's got some analysis on all of it and it just said that the symbolism of India's moon landing is very hard to overstate. Yeah,
0: it has been a big deal. Put that in your back pocket as we head towards that election year. The second massive story we want to touch on is reports that Yevgeny Prigozhin was killed in a plane crash north of Moscow. This one's wild. It is such a wild story. Mm. And
1: Prigozhin, of course, the leader of that Wagner group, which is that private army that's been doing a lot of the heavy lifting in the fighting in Ukraine uh, for Russia, of course, and around the world, operating in many, many countries. Um, Prigozhin fell out with Russian President Vladimir Putin in June. Um, The two had been very closely associated until then. And he, of course, was the guy who led that mutiny with his troops, Out of Ukraine and took to the highway heading up to Moscow. It was a wild couple of days. And yeah, and really fascinating look at a guy who was Putin's chef mm. he was a prisoner he was a hot dog salesman he was Putin's chef and then he was a leader of this very powerful mercenary army um the results of that relationship were very good for him when it worked not so good for him now that it hasn't
0: now that it hasn't we won't get into the ins and outs there's too much to be confirmed still so be he alive or be he dead we don't really know mm. um people well above our pay grade can work that out claire <laughs> but the experts say even if it is found that he's alive somewhere, the use of Russia's air defences against that aircraft that Progresian was on is a very public and a very, um, I guess, sharp statement against his rival. The analysts say a very
1: big full stop from Putin. That's a,
0: that's a bit more articulate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: And as a result of Putin being challenged by Prigozhin, So speaking of those nationalist leaders, there's examples all over the world of leaders who have survived coups, uh, as Putin did against mm. Prigozhin, um, that they become more authoritarian in their approach.
0: I think Joe Biden, the President, of course, of the United States of America, said that Prigozhin better watch what he eats yeah. um, after that. <laughs> mutiny <laughs> so again like the, the the prediction that that Putin would react in this way has been there for some time yeah they
1: were expecting something like that mm. um Erdogan, who of course is the president of Turkey, survived his own coup in 2016 and he became a very, very, very strong man leader who does shut down dissent. So it's not like these sorts of things make them better leaders mm. and want to improve. It me it really seems to mean that they do shut down dissent. So here we are.
0: Here we are. It makes me think of that podcast we recommended a few weeks back, Claire, next year in Moscow, actually maybe a few months back now. Yeah, wow. Fantastic podcast, all about those who live in Russia who are against the Russian regime, it's a good prompt to get back in and finish it off because I don't think I completed the last few episodes of that podcast. Yeah, there's Did a you? few.
1: I didn't and yeah. I'm going to dive back into it too because that uh, fight in Russia for freedom really is a thing.
0: Claire, as I said at the top, it was one of those weeks where we went, Oh, gee, there's been a lot around but no sort of clear, massive story. So uh, in this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about little stuff you might've missed. There's three stories we've pulled out, starting with the NAPLAN results.
1: Yeah. So NAPLAN, of course, is a it's the national assessment of reading, writing, and math standards. It's done by students. They have these big tests mm. when you're in year three, five, seven, and
0: nine. Don't have to tell parents who are listening. Don't I have to you'd tell teachers. Very, yeah, teachers. Yeah, teachers, parents should be very well aware. The headline this week was that the results are in and kids are more behind than ever when it comes to those standards that have been set. So, to put some numbers to that, one in 10 students require additional support to catch up with classmates. Another one in four students fell below expectations for minimum standards of literacy and numeracy. It's
1: not necessarily a new thing. This discussion about falling standards has been around for a really long time. I was saying to you earlier, Kate, I kind of feel like every time we have this discussion about NAPLAN, it's exactly this. It's got worse and the gap is building and standards aren't rising. But of course, the conversation really then gets into what are we teaching? How are we doing it? What is the funding? Here we go again.
0: Yeah, the methods used, all of that. The Education Minister, Jason Clare, said this week he's interested in solutions, not blank checks. He also said, Clare, this is the quote, I'm not going to blame the opposition for 10 years of failure, which I thought <laughs> <laughs> made me laugh. <laughs> it's one of those political politician sentences that belongs in utopia, doesn't it? It's like, I'm not going to blame you, but you know what, it's kind of your fault. Look
1: Classic.
0: <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely did. <laughs> Reading about all of this, it brought it all back for me too, Claire. I remember it was called the basic skills test when I was at school Yeah, and I'll never forget getting my pencil and, you know, filling oh, in those yeah. Yeah. dots. Yeah, yeah.
1: It was like a page <laughs> with all these little things. Yeah, that was mind-bending. You sharpen
0: your pencil <laughs> yeah. up and yeah, away <laughs> yeah, you went.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's not a thing for kids anymore. NAPLAN, no. it's done completely online for the first time this year.
0: For pretty much all the kids. It's, yeah. a, it's an online thing now. Put your so pencil sharpener away. Times have changed. It's a great segue to our next topic, Claire, the intergenerational report. We talked it up in last week's <laughs> podcast, so we better spend some time on it. Quick refresher. Okay, so the intergenerational 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 report, it's a look
1: into the future, 40 years. Uh, It takes the trends in the economy. It takes the policies that we have now. It stretches it out and says, if we keep doing this, what's our world going to look like in 40 years time? Um, This is the sixth intergenerational report um, since they began. That was by Peter Costello.
0: We talked about that last week. Back yonder.
1: Jim Chalmers, of course, our treasurer, he released it on Thursday. A few things to note.
0: Yeah, so number one, in 2063, Claire, which is 40 years' time, we're going to be old, quite old, not just you and me, but everyone will be old. So the number of people, A, not everyone. But a lot more people. (laughs) Not everyone. I can't wait for you to get a bit older. I think that's going to be great. (laughs) Thank you, 40 years older. The (laughs) number of people aged 85 and over will triple. Yeah. The number of people aged 65 and over is likely to double. Lots of discussion about how we support a population that looks a whole lot greyer. Well, we might not be greyer in 40 years' time. Well, maybe because of modern technology. Exactly. That's true. But okay, a bit older. Yeah, older.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And look, you'll see a fair bit of discussion about this care economy, Mm. of course, what it takes to actually look after people at those ages and the report forecasts that care and support workforces are going to have to double in size.
0: Yeah, to facilitate that. Takeaway number two, one of the headlines described this as (laughs) the federal budget is cooked. (laughs) Harsh. It's a deep analysis,
1: really, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, definitely harsh. And, of course, again, it goes about what exactly it would look like if we kept doing what we're doing. doing, The reason why they do this report is to see where we might need to change to make the numbers work. Whether they can do that or not is a whole other conversation. But, look, this report shows a graph, federal budget, Next year, it's going to drop back into deficit. Of course, we had a surplus
0: last financial Mm. year. It's going to stay in deficit for 40 years. For the 40 years' Mm. time. That brings us to takeaway number three, and that's around the climate challenge.
1: Yeah, so the climate challenge, of course, all of the talk around how our economy is going to change as we decarbonise. Essentially what that means is as we try and hit net zero emissions by 2050 and bring them right back by 2030. It has big impacts for our economy because, of course, we get a lot of revenue, government revenue, out of things like coal and gas.
0: Yeah, so it's about the world moving towards this and what this means for our economy. To all of that, I mean, there's a lot more in it, but those are the sort of the few takeaways we wanted to pull out. Jim Chalmers says – This report shows, and this is his quote, a future we can be optimistic about but not complacent about. Of course, the opposition says that they need solutions, so cue political discussion.
1: Yeah, I thought it was an interesting line from the coalition in response to that report to say, forget 40 years. Mm. Australians want to know what they're going to do in 40 days given the cost of living pressures. They're trying to put together their own personal budgets to make it work in 40 days' time. Clearly, the coalition is focusing on the current here
0: and now when it comes to our economic pressure. Yeah, that's the political analysis from Claire there you today. There <laughs> Before we get into what's coming up, the final story that got a good run this week was Qantas's results, Claire. The Qantas discussion has a few bits and pieces to it. yeah. Qantas is
1: such an emotional discussion, I think, for a lot of people. It's not about their profit and loss. It's not about exactly how they're performing when it comes to the metrics. People have this really emotional attachment to Qantas. Well, we've
0: all had an experience, whether it be good Good or or bad. bad. um, We feel an affinity with it, I Mm. think, because it's the national carrier and, you know, their ads you know, yeah, all of that. Aviation, but, the romance, yeah, of flying. Yeah, flying airports. Yeah. I mean, but you you're right. I mean but the attention that the profit number has got mm. this week was quite something.
1: Yeah, so net profit up. billion. It's a big increase. They were really in trouble when Mm. you think back, not just to COVID, which of course was a huge time for them, but there was a time before that where they were going to the government and banging on doors saying, Can you please give us some money? Because things were really quite dire. Um, Alan Joyce, of course, is the guy who has been running Qantas. Um, He seems to be a bit of a household name. He's probably one of the few corporate leaders who most people would recognize, I think. Uh, He finishes up in November.
0: And he finishes up with possibly a salary of twenty four million dollars, is what people are saying. I mean, the numbers a bit. There's a bit of conjecture about uh, it. But what's base salary and what's bonus yeah, but, and what are know, shares? Regardless, and, yeah, lots of emotion about
1: whether that is well. an individual is worth that much. I reckon I'd be worth five hundred thousand dollars a week. <laughs>
0: Do you run Qantas? I don't. <laughs> but look, uh, we can the, all put our own the value things on I our could own do. Head. the things I could do. Let's leave that there. Going <laughs> up this week, Claire, we talked about the boomers last week. The men's basketball world cup has started. It's being held in Japan, the Philippines, and Indonesia. So, quite the travelling tournament. This is relevant as this week the boomers were on Okinawa Island. That's a southern island of Japan. They were prepping for the World Cup, Claire. They were woken up by an alert from the Japanese government which read, I don't know, I feel like I should do a voice or something, like, (laughs) emergency alert, missile launch, missile launch. A missile is believed to have been launched from North Korea. (laughs) believed like yeah if that
1: went off early in the morning you'd be like what the heck
0: it's quite I mean Mm. we're laughing about it but 10 minutes later just to to quell any um (laughs) sort of nervousness out there a second alert was issued saying missile passed the reason we mention this is it has nothing to do with basketball. We go boomers, but nothing to do with basketball, everything to do with the situation in the Pacific.
1: Yeah, so remember when Donald Trump was in the White House and it felt like we were sort of living and breathing this tension with North Korea mm. and their missile yeah. tests? Um it's since the start of 2020 we'll put that behind us mm. um, they sort of went quiet for a bit through that discussion period with Kim jong-un talking to Donald Trump um since 2020 they've test fired about a hundred missiles it's at the heaviest levels that it's ever been um, what the analysts say is this is a really dangerous time and that North Korea is really going for it so and Japan
0: is issuing these alerts to their yeah, population when they think that watch they out. Might be, yeah that we're the, it's I mean yeah look as I said we we're having a laugh about it but but yeah. it's quite something. and The issue is still the same. So yeah.
1: North Korea is still trying to protest to the United States. You know, you've got to go a bit easier on us. We want to be a nuclear power. Stop being so harsh. It's an attention-seeking exercise. And, yeah, really dangerous if you're in the region. It must just be so nerve-rattling.
0: All the time. Mm. and is it a bit sad that the only reason we know about it or talking about it is because the, the boomer's got the alert but anyway well, I yeah. mean that aside it's good to to good to revisit these things also coming up this week a lot about the voice of course that's because Anthony Albanese has said he'll tell us the date that we'll be voting on Wednesday in Adelaide. Yeah, so the
1: 1967 referendum, that was the one that asked uh, Australians the question about yep. whether Indigenous Australians should be counted as part of the population and Commonwealth making laws for them, that sort of stuff. It was launched in South Australia. So Symbolic? Yeah, Anthony Albanese has done a couple of things in South Australia with the referendum already
0: and heading back to announce the date seems like the place to be. We're going to do a lot more uh, referendum content, particularly over the next week we'll have a shortcut out, mm. which sort of explains the lay of the land, but the state by state conversation is very relevant because, of course, mm. you need a majority vote in every state. Yeah, South Australia apparently quite a key state for the yes vote. They yeah. need to convince them of voting yes. So another reason why he may be launching the campaign there. You and I, Claire, picked the fourteenth of October. Yeah, we may be right. I think that's. I think that's
1: looking pretty good. <laughs> And spoiler alert to for squizzes for next week, that survey that you might have done for us around The Voice will come back to you about what yeah, that found. Yeah, we're collating
0: all the information at the moment and we are going into a lot of detail around how you responded by state because yeah. it is interesting to look at it that way. Claire, as I said, plenty of referendum content coming up across the next six weeks. Yeah. Also on our radar is the fact that the AFLW season begins on Friday night.
1: Yes, it does. I'm looking forward to that. I think it will be very interesting with all of that Matilda's momentum, yeah, do how you think that it, actually fills it in. Yeah. Oh, well, it's, I a mean, it's a big question,
0: true test. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It certainly is. For those in Alice Springs, Mullet Fest is sure <laughs> to generate some great pictures. I love Mullet Fest.
1: <laughs> they have one in New South Wales, which is sort of the big one over Christmas. Alice Springs, though, seems like a natural extension <laughs> oh, for Mullet it Fest. it is going to
0: be good. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the pictures in that one. No doubt there'll be a link out of the Squeeze Today newsletter. We've got some good listeners in Alice Springs, so I look
1: forward to their involvement as well. Do they
0: have good mullets? Oh no, they don't actually.
1: That's a shame.
0: (laughs) You know every single one of our listeners in Alice Springs, (laughs) do you think? I know at least a couple of them. Squeeze recommends, Claire. We both watched Kitchen Cabinet this week, the second episode of the latest series. Mm. For anyone who doesn't know, it's on the ABC. It's hosted by Annabelle Crabb. Yep. She goes to politicians' homes. They cook for her. They chat. This week was a visit to opposition leader Peter Dutton.
1: I really enjoyed it.
0: Mm, I did too. It was yeah.
1: very interesting, I thought, to see the response on social media to the point where Annabelle even went on to say just squeeze Calm down, people. I need to talk to as many people from across politics. So um, you're
0: saying, so her social media followers weren't happy that she did an episode with Peter Dunne.
1: I won't speak for all of them, but certainly a lot of them. Really? Quite a few were coming back to the point where she had to make a point, saying, like, chill out. I
0: would have thought, I mean, even if you really don't like someone, mm. it's good to hear what they have to say, even if it just reinforces what you already think thought you knew if there's an ethos
1: of what we do at the squeeze i think it is that Mm. open minds be a bit balanced just have a listen to what people are saying
0: yeah and i mean if it makes you dislike him more fine and i get
1: that people don't like certain political figures and they don't have to you know tune in if you don't want to but like trot along it's a great
0: show, yeah, for all of those reasons. I think she's um, at Linda Burney's place next week.
1: Linda Burney's next week. There's actually quite a good lineup coming, and I just find the format really engaging yeah. and interesting.
0: Yeah, not to mention the cooking seafood chowder. Peter yeah. up and chose to cook. Yeah, interesting. good one. Yeah, I like a seafood chowder. Um, On the foodie theme, the Gourmet Traveller's Best Restaurants list was out this week. We've got a link to that in your episode notes. We're asking, though, for your restaurant recommendations. Wherever you are in Australia, and we know you are Australia-wide, regional, rural, metro, we want to hear, you know, your favourite place to eat. Yeah, I've got like lots of favourite places to
1: eat. My favourite place to eat in Goulburn is the Charcoal Chicken. Oh
0: yeah, I think I've told you about them before.
1: (laughs) Delicious.
0: (laughs) I'm trying to think now,
1: Uh, but we're thinking more restaurants, and of course, we
0: are thinking more restaurants. There's so many
1: great restaurants out and about.
0: Well, I'm from Bermagui and yeah. I, you can't beat the fish and chips down there. But again, Amazing. not a restaurant. Not what we're asking for. We'd like you to <laughs> send in your restaurant recommendation. what Take- Maybe we should
1: do the takeaways of Australia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, whatever that, the audience decides. That can be our next yeah, venture. Let's just see what the um, what, what you come up with. You can email us. You can send us a message on social media. If you're on Spotify, you can jump on there and answer the Q&A question this week. We're keen to showcase some of the, the great eateries around the country. Quiz Press, Claire, I am off on a holiday next week. Who said you could do that? I think I just decided. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> but it, that's not the important part of the story. The important <laughs> part of the story is that Larissa Moore is back.
1: Yep, it's been so great to have her back. Yeah. She's been in the office for a couple of weeks with us. We just love having her around. Um, she's going to be on the podcast, this podcast, next Saturday, which is going to be Awesome. And the following Saturday. And the following oh, Saturday. I'm
0: going for two weeks. Who said she could have two <laughs> of these I'm missing off. two Saturday Squizzes. But, I mean, she's a very familiar person to people who have been listening to yeah. the Squiz Today podcast for a long time. She hosted that podcast for a really long time. She's been on maternity leave. Mm. She's back and thrilled to get back behind the mic, I'm sure. Yep, we're going to have a good chat this time next week. Look
1: forward to it.